0: Well, good to see everybody's come back out tonight, and tonight we're going to, as we do our different formats, one of the things that I wanted to do uh, throughout this year was to take different songs, sometimes themes, and we'll sing a number of songs during the lesson, we've done that, Uh, but also to take certain songs that I think really epitomize some idea in the theme, and this one certainly is one of those, and uh, wanted to talk about that. I did finally remember while I was standing at the back of the building after services were over, as soon as I saw Edward come through the line, I remembered the second thing that I meant to tell you this morning. I'll probably come back in a couple of weeks and announce this on a Sunday morning for everybody's benefit, but Edward was able to, uh, or did load, download, I guess would be the correct way to put it, the home study course that, uh, that I put together um, last, and finished it last year, early last year. Um, Go on the website, and I think it's also on our Facebook page. Am I right? It is also on our Facebook page. Either one of those two, you can see it. It is very easy to navigate. Even I can navigate through it, so it's it's very easy to do it. But you might find it helpful. Um, You might find it something you want to just go through yourself personally. Um, It talks about the Bible, the church, the Savior, and the judgment. And it is also something meant especially... ...for you to be able to use to uh, sit down with a friend or a family member or someone and uh, just kind of go through it together. So take a look at it, and again, I might come back and mention that again in a couple of weeks on a Sunday morning. Without any further delay, let's get into the, to the uh, lesson tonight. Either take your song book and turn back to 112, or uh, you can, if you've got an outline, I've got the lyrics printed on there. And I'm going to just literally let the song be the outline for the lesson... And I want to emphasize one main point. If you've got an outline, you already see that. But I want to use this song to focus on the main point or the main idea of when we are one, when we have unity, as we should in a church, then we have a, quote, united effort about the work we do, whatever we do as a church. We have what I like to call a team effort. Being a sports fan, and I am a huge sports fan, I like teams that are really teams. Like anyone else, I appreciate the super athlete that's able to do things that are almost otherworldly. I think that this idea of loving the team effort so much, probably for me, came when I was amazed absolutely by two basketball players in the 1980s. One was a Team Elijah one. And a lot of you that are basketball fans know that name. This was a guy that came from Africa, had never played basketball. He played soccer, or football as they call it. Used those skills and then became just a dominant superstar in the NBA. And for several years, he broke all kinds of records for centers and so forth. But the team didn't win. The second one was Michael Jordan, and I think if you ask most basketball fans, even now, most of them will say probably the greatest player there ever was is Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan was somebody I couldn't believe how good he was. He was an awesome player, and he came in in the 1980s about the same time, and he dominated, and he had records, and all of that, and his team didn't win. Now, two things changed about them, and I I got really interested in basketball and became a huge fan of basketball during the 80s, and I watched their careers, and what was interesting to me was when both of them learned how to back off, even, but more than that, how to incorporate other team members, and they were good enough that they were able to make other team members good, even great, and they won championships. And I, back when I was watching all of that and seeing all of that and thinking about all of that, I got to thinking, and so I got to preaching different sermons at the place I was before I came here, about being a team, about what could be accomplished in a church if you have a team effort. I want to look at this song, and the first verse of it, I want to emphasize the idea of being members one of another. Now, you don't see those words there. But that comes from Romans chapter 12. But if you look at verse number one, in the body of the Lord, we are bound in unity. We, members of the church, and even here at East Orange, we are bound in unity. And just as we are one with God, notice this, you are also part of me. I find that an interesting way. Whoever this author was, I don't remember the name, but when this guy wrote this, that's very interesting. That is a very interesting way to put it. And yet I think it is completely biblical. If you look over at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and this is a passage you'll know very well, but if you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, this is a passage where Paul compares the church to a body. And we are a body. And he is teaching a point to the Corinthians, the idea of, and, and I like to call this, Montel hears me talk about it this all the time, Juliet as well, but the idea of me ball. Now, me ball to me is when a guy thinks that he wants, I mean, he is going to be it. You're going to see him. He's going to do his thing. He's going to shine. And generally speaking, if you have a team where someone plays me ball, you don't have very much. Because if, just like in your body, if your eye just kind of took over and said, all this body is going to do is see, you wouldn't have a body. You'd have an eye. And for all practical purposes, that's all you have. And when you have a team where one guy just insists on being the whole show, then that's what you have. And you may have a superstar performance. And I kind of look at those superstar performances, especially when the team loses, as so what? You know, I'm not impressed. I mean, there may have been a time when I was, but not anymore because this is not an individual sport. This is a team sport, be it basketball or baseball that I love so much, or football. These are team sports. So when I look at this phrase, and I see this this phrase in this song, you are also part of me. That's true. Because I've joined a body. Read with me in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12. As the body is one, and has many members. I mean, your hands, your feet, your eyes, your ears. And all the members of that one body, being many, are one body. So also is Christ. And this is what it's about. It's about the team. It's about the body. It's about Jesus. By one spirit have we all been baptized into one body. And like we were talking about this morning, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, bond or free, we've been all made to drink into one spirit. The body is not one member, but many. One of the great objections that I took down at Liberty, when we would get into certain courses and we would be talking about the role of the pastor, and the pastor, of course, meaning the preacher, and the position of the pastor. And the pulpit of the pastor. And it would go on and on talking about that. And the power that you had. And the importance that you had. And that importance, you know, I mean, they, they really talked about building that importance. And building yourself up. And I'm like, wait a minute. You know, I mean, what about the word servant? And all of this kind of thing. I mean, you're, this is not what God meant for a preacher to be. You know, you're not the whole show, but that was the idea. Sometimes they could get, some of those teachers and students could get very carried away with that. No, the idea is, we have all been set apart, like Peter says in in 1 Peter 1 and verse 2. We've been sanctified by the Spirit, but into this one body. You are also part of me, because together, and I want you to think about this. Together, we are the body at East Orange. But nobody here is the church. You know, not any one person here is the body. Not any one person here is the church. No more so than any one person on a baseball team or basketball team is the team. No, they're a team member. And the only way that we identify, if I was on a baseball team, the only way I would identify is being part of the team. And each person would share that with everybody else. We are a team. I am nothing. And that's literally what the the New Testament would teach. We are a church. We are a body. I am nothing. I might as well be in a jar of formaldehyde as a body, body part because alone I'm not the church. And that's what I think he is teaching. And that's why I think also you have this phrase like this in Romans 12. Go over there with me and I'll look at this passage a couple of times. But just look with me at verse 5 to start with. When Paul says in Romans 12 verse 5, so we, being many, obviously we're, you know, many people here, even tonight, there's, I don't know how many people here, but at least 40 people gathered here. We being many are one body in Christ. That's what we are. And every one of us members one of another. You see what he's saying there? It is not, it is not one member. And I'm going to tell you something. It is not even a church of X number of members. That's not what the New Testament is teaching. We get carried away by that. You know, I, I don't guess we ever go on vacation anywhere or go on a trip anywhere. Someone doesn't say, how many members do you have at East Orange? And what I'm inclined to say is this. What we have is one body. Because we don't have a church of members. We have members one of another. We are not a church unless we share that with each other. And I think that's what Romans 12 is teaching. I believe that's what 1 Corinthians 12 is teaching. We cannot be alone and be a church. It's impossible. Any more so than think about it, how ridiculous it would be, no matter how great a player, Michael Jordan, him, Elijah won, Russell Westbrook, you name whoever you think is great. Let that guy walk out on the floor by himself and play any team. And they're going to beat him to death. You're nothing without the team. Now you might talk about, well, the team would be nothing without him. The truth is, the New Testament teaches us the team would be nothing without all of us. That's the truth of the matter. So we are... Members one of another. You are also part of me. And then you'll notice verse two. We are members of his church, made to fill each different role. Now we spent a couple of years really emphasizing this idea of each one has a role, each one has a play, and I'm not going to beat that tonight. But we're made to fill each different role. But this is what I like about this verse in particular, is the second part of it. When we use our gifts for him. Notice that. When we use our gifts for Him, for Jesus, then our work builds up the whole. And isn't that right? If anybody uses... I mean, think about what that's really saying. If anybody fails to use his gifts, if people do not use what they're capable of doing, then the whole suffers. That's what God teaches. If anyone uses his gifts for another motive, it shows... In other words... If, you know, Wes or I come up here to preach, or the song leader comes up here to lead a song, or whatever is done here. Somebody downstairs teaches a class, but the motive is, let me show you how great I am. We see through that. All of us do. And we don't like that. We don't like people who are egotistical. We don't like people whose egos run away with them. You know, down south they say you're too big for your britches. You know, we, don't, we just don't like that and we get turned off by it, and then no whole is built up because of that. No, the only way that it ever happens that the whole body, the whole church is built up is when we mutually come together and every one of us uses our gifts for Him. And that's the purpose. I want this church to be as great as it can be. I want this church to be everything the Lord wants it to be. I want the Lord to get the benefit of anything that I do, and I want Him to get the credit for it. Because if I'm able to do anything, capable of doing anything, it's because He gave me the ability. And when we all think like that, and we all put it together like that, then, man, how the church is built up. But anything else, and the church suffers. Go back to 1 Corinthians 12 with me for just a moment, and think about this passage. When God teaches us That he has brought a church together. And and there are a couple of verses here. You know I've emphasized them before. But the verse that says for example. God has tempered the body together. You know the idea of. Of God. Placing different members together in a body. Bringing them, them together just so. Drawing out of them the best that it can be. On a much lesser scale to compare that. Let's say you have a Michael Jordan. Let's say you have a superstar athlete. And he knows that on any night, he can go out there and he can have a triple-double if you're a basketball fan. I mean, he can get a number of rebounds, a number of assists, a number of points. He can get a number of steals. He just can do it all, and he knows that. But let's say that he goes out there, and rather than focus on that, he says, I won't take this shot. I could have 50 points tonight, but I'd rather have 30 points and help this guy over here get... His points. And he does that. Or I'd rather do this. I'd rather sacrifice myself on the defensive end and then make sure that the other guys do it on the other end. If he plays like that, you're going to see a team. And man, when you see a team play together, everybody doing their part. Everybody knows. No one is stupid. Everybody in the place knows who the greatest player on the floor is. But they also see something wonderful because what they see is that one guy not thinking of self, but thinking of the other guy first, putting the other guy first, and everybody gets to use their gifts. And when that happens, again, it's a beautiful picture. So in 1 Corinthians 12, what Paul was saying is you guys are carried away by certain gifts, speaking in tongues especially. Quit being carried away by that. You look at it like God has given one this ability, one this ability, another one that ability, and put it all together and see what it can do. What can it accomplish if you all put it all together? It's a beautiful thing. And that's what Paul is teaching in 1 Corinthians 12. Go back with me to Romans 12, and I said I'd come back to it. Isn't that what Paul is saying in Romans 12? Maybe in language, because we look at this in 1 Corinthians 12, and we think in terms of spiritual gifts, and we don't live in that time anymore. So nobody speaks in a foreign language by miracle. No one heals, etc. But I think we understand it in Romans 12. Because in Romans 12, notice the kind of thing he's saying. Start with me in verse 4 of Romans 12. As we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office. And the word for office there is, is a word that means a role or a position or a duty even. In other words, you've got something to do. You know what you're supposed to be doing, and you can do that. You're able, qualified to do it. So when everybody understands that, we're all members and we don't have the same office, we then, being many, are one body in Christ. And everyone members one of another. Because I need you to do so and so, and you need me to do such and such. That's the point. And when it's all put together, it's a team effort. Notice verse 6. Having been gifts differing according to the grace that God has given to us. And isn't that true? If we were all, you know, if we all admitted it, we'd go around the room, we'd see everybody here, and we'd say, everybody's different. Everybody, they do different things. I used to be a substitute teacher for little kids, in, you know, in grade school, and I, and I love working with kids, you guys know that. But I'd be out there with those kids, and you get in recess, and maybe you're gonna play some ball game or whatever, and you know, and, and I remember this one day, we were gonna play kickball. And so they started choosing sides. And it got down to the one little boy that wasn't too good. You know, and nobody wanted him on the team. And he starts crying, and they start saying, well, you know, Mr. White, he can't play, he can't do this, and he can't do that. I said, all right, we ain't playing kickball. We're sitting down. Let's sit down. So we talked. And I started teaching them about how everybody here, look around you, you know your friends, your classmates, etc. everybody in this group, they're good at something. In fact, we could find one person here who's better at something than everybody else here, couldn't we? And you know how kids are. They start to talk. Go, I'm better at this. Yeah. And the guy would say, yeah, well, I'm better at this. And so then I'd say, well, do you know, but if you're better at that, do you agree that and so is better at that? Yeah, he is. he is. So we get to talking about that. And what we realize is everybody is better than the next guy at something. But, you know, everybody's worse than the next guy at something. And that's how God has done that. God has put us together so that we have gifts differing according to the grace that God has given to us. And then he begins to list a number of things here. There's a wide range of things. Everything from teaching to giving to hospitality to all kinds of things. Use what you've got. Do what you can. Be a team member. That's the idea. I'm one of a number of people. I've been added to the number. I'm a member of the church. At East Arm, And I'm only one member. And I can do what I can do. And I don't do everything well. I don't certainly do everything the best. There are very few things maybe that I do better than everybody. Maybe only one thing I do better than everybody here. But everybody else does so many other things better than I do. And you know what? That's okay. That's exactly the way God designed it. Because it's a team effort, I'm not the whole show. You ever noticed how maybe you win a championship, a team wins a championship, and of course they all, you know, this is the way human beings are. We want to single out that great player and we want to give the MVP award. Have you ever noticed how that for the the majority, by far, of the MVPs of a championship team? When they ask him, you know, how, do you, how were you able to do this? And how could you do that? And when you were out there, did you really see how great you were? You know? and you ever noticed how those guys immediately start talking about the unsung heroes on the team? Maybe it was that guy that caught the winning touchdown pass. The first thing he wants to talk about is the quarterback. And they go to the quarterback and they say, man, how in the world do you see that guy that? Well, the thing he wants to talk about is the line that held him, that gave him protection while he was able to throw ball And you see what's happening on a great teams. Everybody recognizes the talents, the abilities of everybody else. The guy's not out there saying, I'm the greatest wide receiver there ever has been. It was miraculous. He just flung that ball up in the air and I being the greatest went out there and caught it. If we heard that, we'd say, yeah, and... Turn the TV off, I don't ever want to hear you again. Because we know that's not true. If, If you had a team of egomaniacs, they would not be winning a championship. But when you get a team where everybody's working together, where everybody understands that you don't get anywhere unless the whole team is working, when we use our gifts for Him, the goal, the prize, the one that counts, then our work builds up the whole. You notice, as he goes on to say here in verse 3, when you serve where I cannot, and isn't that the point? Quarterback can be the greatest quarterback in the world. You get a 350-pound defensive lineman coming in, barreling in on him, he either does one of two things. One, he runs for his life, or two, he gets creamed. Unless... His offensive lineman holds the guy off. Then he stands back there with all the time in the world and waits till he gets an open pass and it's a thing of beauty. Now, how was he able to complete that pass? Was it his abilities alone or was it what the whole team was doing? Was it the wide receiver that's maybe scrambling around and getting open? Was it the lineman that held the defensive guys off of him? Was it that tight end that hardly ever gets the ball thrown to him that makes that beautiful block and gives him just that precious second he needs to get that pass downfield. When you serve where I cannot, I rejoice in what he's playing. You know, if you're looking at Romans 12, I want you to go down with me to a verse that is maybe not preached about and taught about enough by any of us, me included. Rejoice with them that do rejoice, and weep with them that weep. Now what that's teaching us is, I need to be not just thinking of me, and what I'm getting, and how I'm winning, and how I'm important, and all of that. I'm supposed to be looking at other people, and doing two things. When someone, when something great happens to somebody, I shouldn't be thinking, my first thought ought not to be in the church, it ought to have been me, not that person. You know, It should have been me. I should have had that, not them. No, I, I need to be glad for that person, rejoicing about that. You know, that person was able to accomplish this, or do this, or have this, or get this, or win this. And that's a great thing. And when someone suffers, it ought not be my first thought, better them than me. I'm glad it was them and not me. No, it should be that it, it hurts. And I feel that pain, really. Feel really. it. And I weep together with them. Rejoice with them that do rejoice. Weep with them that weep. Verse three. Our, yeah, verse three in the song. When you serve where I cannot, I rejoice in what He's planned. By your strength. Notice this. By your strength, our work is done. Isn't that beautiful? I and mean, we're singing that song, and I'm thinking, man, who wrote this song? This is great. It's your strength. And it's by, not, not just mine. I'll accept that in any given work or any given church or whatever. I'm part of it and I do some things. I've had people, for example, and it happened just this morning. Look what you've done. You know? Eh, you know? Jesus did it. But anything that we accomplish, everybody is part. No one person can accomplish anything. You can't on a team. You can't in a church. You can't get anywhere. You can't do anything unless you have other people on board. And I think that's what this song is saying. It's by your strength. I recognize that it takes your strength. Even if your strength is just one little part of everybody here, we still can accomplish it if it weren't you. I think sometimes of a You know, maybe some heavy, heavy object. I don't know if you've ever been a pallbearer, for example. And sometimes, you know, occasionally you'll have a situation where you've got and some caskets out there, and the material they're made of, and so forth, they're extremely heavy. And it might be that if you've been a certain situation, you've got to take that casket, and I, I mentioned pine Forks this morning, if you've ever gone out there, I mean, the, the ground is not too conducive to walking across it with a heavy casket. But I've had to do that. And it's been the kind of thing where you might have the traditional six pallbearers, and they pull that casket out of the car, and they start to walk toward the grave, and they just can't quite make it, you can see that. And maybe another guy comes over and he grabs onto the thing. Now you've got seven, but it's just not quite enough. And then another guy comes over and he grabs the other side. And, and, and almost miraculously, they go from six or seven guys stumbling to eight guys who barely easily take the thing to the gravesite. By your strength, our work is done. And we all follow his command. Teams win victories and championships. Oftentimes, individuals that really shine do not win team championships. That's what was so beautiful about watching the two players I mentioned at the beginning. They learned how to, if you will, and this is the way it's generally put, back off. But I rather look at it like this. They learned how to go from being the greatest individual players to being the greatest team players. And in doing that, they won the championship. Teams win victories. Teams win championships. I, I, you know, let, let me go to the it's baseball season, so you baseball fans will really appreciate this. Let's say we're near the end of the game and it's a close game. Teams got to have one run. First guy comes up. And he does everything he can to get on base. Now, if you know baseball, you know exactly what I'm talking about. He takes that walk. He, you know, he gets hit with the ball. He does whatever it takes to get on base. Now, you know and I know if he gets on base, we're all sitting there and we're thinking, man, if he can just steal second and this next guy up could get him to third some way by sacrificing himself... We can get the winning run without even getting another hit. And that's true. Baseball, you can do that if you know the sport. So it all hinges, once the guy's gotten on first base, it's all going to come down to this guy coming up next, and is he going to sacrifice himself is the idea. Is he going to give up himself? Is he going to hit the ball to a certain part of the park, try to hit a single instead of a home run? Is he going to do what it takes to get that dude to from one base to the next? Let's say he's standing up there to bat, and the guy on first base steals second base, and you're getting excited. Man, we're about to score the winning run. All that's got to happen is this dude that normally jacks this ball... For a home run over left field, all he's got to do is hit it to the right side of the field. Guy can go from second to third. Next guy up. All he's got to do is hit a fly ball. We win this game. And then this sinking feeling comes into you. Because you know this guy. You watch this team. And this hot dog don't ever give himself up. He wants to be the hero. He wants to hit the home run. He wants that and he gets it every once in a while. He hits that big home run and everybody piles around him and slaps him on the back and tells him how great he is and every reporter comes in there and they all talk about it and great, right? All he needs to do is make contact, get the ball to the right side of the infield and we're probably going to win this game. But he doesn't because he wants to play meatball. He would rather hit one home run out of every 25 of those situations that come up than give himself up. No stat lines, none of that ever shows up. You don't get any credit for that except by the people who know what it's all about. So he'd rather hit the one home run out of every 25 than give himself up the five, six, eight times you probably can be successful at that and get the guy from second to third base. He'd rather do Now we all can see it in sports. And if you're a sports fan, you get mad about it. I get mad about it. We talk about such a selfish player. Teams don't like them. They generally bounce around from team to team because they've got the stats, but they're not, quote, a team player. And we all understand that. But do we understand it in the church? Do we understand that in the church, that sometimes what I need to do is sacrifice myself Give myself up in the background. Get no credit for it. You know, nobody, not few people may notice it, but not generally. It's not going to show up in any stat lines. It's not going to be the big news the next day. But I need to do that to get the guy from here to there, because by getting the guy from here to there, the next guy up can help us and we can win. Is that the way I'm thinking? I want this church to prosper and I'm willing to sacrifice myself and give up my own glory and give my, you know, give myself up for the good of the team. Or are we thinking, let me swing away because I might hit the home run and I'll be everybody's hero? Which way are we thinking? When you serve where I cannot, I rejoice. By your strength, our work is done. And we follow his command. When you look at the story of Joseph, I'm only going to mention this briefly. The story of Joseph is just, it is about just what I've been talking about. You start off with a guy and he's the favorite of his father. He has the coat of many colors and we all children know that story. He's it, man. He's he's the guy. And everybody hates him. And then Joseph gets humbled, doesn't he? Joseph goes away and he gets put in prison for 13 years. He's forgotten. Most of the people who ever cared about him think he's dead. He's been lied about. He's been put, you know, put in prison when he shouldn't have even been there. All of that kind of thing happens. And Joseph just keeps giving himself up for the team. And then after a certain period of time, of course, God lifts him up. And he shines. And at the end of the book, if you look at Genesis 50 and verse 20, here's exactly what Joseph says. You, my brothers, you really wanted to hurt me. You hated me. You wanted to kill me. You meant me. You meant it for for evil. But God meant it for good. And God is the one that counts. And God is the one that can make us have a victory. You meant it for evil. God meant it for good to save much people alive. You see, when you're giving yourself up, instead of putting yourself first and putting yourself forward as, I'm it, man, everybody look at me. When you're doing that, really what you're doing is hurting the team, just like the ball player that does that. But when you're sacrificing yourself and giving yourself up and willing to be humbled like Joseph was, God can take that and use that so we all have the victory. And that's exactly what that story is teaching us. Follow the example of Joseph. God can work everything for good. God is able to do and accomplish through our self-sacrifice what we could never accomplish by trying to be the hero. Finally, verse 4. He says, bear one another's burdens. He says it like this. Thus we bear each other's loads. Uh, uh, we bear each other's loads till we rest with Him above. All together we can serve, joined in labor, faith, and love. When you look at the New Testament, the New Testament is all about picking each other up. In Galatians chapter 6 and verse 1, Brethren, if a man be overtaken and a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one, bear one another's burdens, So fulfill the law of Christ. You know, one of the most beautiful things in sports to me is this. I love baseball, and this happened just this past week with with my team, the Atlanta Braves. And so I'm watching this game, and you got a guy that's struggling. Now, that happens in team on baseball teams, it happens in churches. You get a guy that's struggling. And he goes out there and he does his best, but he's struggling right now. He's going through a slump or whatever it might be, so he's struggling. And it just so happened this week that this happened, and a guy that was struggling went out there and he I mean he was really trying his best to do what he was supposed to be doing, and he failed. And then a guy comes up behind him, and I'm not even going to call his name because that's not what's important here. But a guy comes up behind him and the announcer is calling the game and he's saying exactly what I'm thinking. Maybe so and so can quote kick him up. And sure enough, he goes out there and you know, game's gonna be lost if this doesn't happen. But it does happen. And he does pick him up. He's hot right now. And so, just as sure as as everything, he gets the hit. He picks his teammate up. And they win. And you know, that's what we're trying to do. It's not about me. It's about the other guy. It's about the guy when he's struggling, when he's suffering. I need to be looking out for that guy, and instead of me looking at it like, hey, look at this guy over here, and how bad a job he's doing, and how little he's accomplishing, look at this guy, no, and then look at me, how much greater I am, how great I'm going to do right now, and look at me. If I'm thinking that way, you know what's going to happen is, you're going to get turned off by me, and nothing is going to be accomplished. But if we're all looking at that guy over there and we're all saying, you know, we're part of a team and I need to pick that guy up. I need to be there for that guy. I need to have his back. And all that phraseology we use, I need to be the one who's thinking about my teammate who needs help right now. And that's the idea. I need to be the guy always thinking about the other one. And when I do that, just like this song says, we bear each other's loads Till we rest with Him above. You see, resting with Jesus up in heaven, that's the championship. That's the win. And when I'm bearing burdens that other people are, having, are struggling right now to carry, when I'm doing that, we're the team is getting to where we need to get. All together we can serve, joined in labor, faith, and love. Everybody doing their job, team effort, we win chorus of this song says, we are one. We are one as we serve. And I'll say it just as simple as this. If we walk through those doors back there, and we lead through those doors back there, and everywhere in between, we are thinking more of the church at East Orange than we are thinking about me at East Orange. We are going to win. We walk through those doors, walk out of those doors, and everywhere in between, we're thinking about me at East Orange. What I'm not getting, what's not happening, what so-and-so's not doing, and on and on it goes. We're going to lose. And we're going to keep on losing. If you're here tonight and you're not a child of God, if you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, if you believe that He died so we could be a thing, you know, we all together accomplish something great for him. If you believe he's the Son of God, you'll confess that. And tonight you're willing to change your life and live your life for him. And you'll be baptized for forgiveness of your sins. And it might be that you're here tonight and you're looking at this lesson or you're just thinking in general, I need to be more of a team player. I need to be the kind of person who's wanting and willing to be part of the team. Doing what I can do, sure. Looking out for my teammates. Being the kind of person that helps the team win, I need to be putting others first before myself, like the passage we read. If you'd like to pray to the Lord to help you to do that, or maybe there's just something else in your life that's holding you back. Maybe you're struggling right now because of something that's going on. You want to ask for prayers. We're always glad to do that. Won't you please come? Always stand next to you.